Good day and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Ho. We continue with season 10 where we're looking at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And for episode 97, we're going to be looking at one of the most powerful, mind-bending, time-consuming heroes of the Marvel Universe. And this is the introduction of the Sorcerer Supreme or Wizard or Magician or whatever you want to call him. It's the 2006 action-adventure film Doctor Strange. Based on the comics by Stan Lee and directed by Scott Derrickson, the film stars Benedict Cumberbatch as the title character. And also starring Chiwetel Ejiofor, Rachel McAdams. Benedict Wong, Mass Mickelson, and Tilda Swinton. Dr. Stephen Strange, a neurosurgeon living in New York City, comfortably making his way through life, winning countless awards, driving all the fast cars, and securing an ego that rivals one of his friendlyhood New York neighbours, Tony Stark. Both geniuses, both mad, and both broken, only to be reborn into a life of crime fighting for the good of justice. And they coincidentally are also both played by actors who have gone on to play Sherlock Holmes, but I'll come to that later on. So with the help of Steve Ditko, Stanley first created this comic book character back in 1963 during the Silver Age of comic books, which brought a different kind of character to the comics, draws the themes of magi- uh, magic, wizardry and mystique, something more of the supernatural than just normal people getting uh, bitten by spiders or tech super fanatics or just people with good morales. Like most of his fellow Avengers, Strange suffers a terrible accident that changes his life forever. In this case, both his hands crushed during a car accident, making his work as a talented neurosurgeon virtually impossible. He ultimately searches around the world and comes across this Ancient One, or Sorcerer Supreme, and this is where Strange learns to be the master of both the uh, the mystical and martial arts. With his eagerness and intelligence, he quickly fights the closed mind of his and excels fast in this spiritual world and eventually acquires the Eye of Agamotto and the Cloak of Levitation where he becomes the guardian or holder of one of the most crucial and some would say most important Infinity Stones, the Pretty Green Time Stone, where he holds residence on 177A Bleecker Street, New York City. Eventually, shown in both the comic books and both the film, yes, both the films, he assumes the title of Sorcerer Supreme and with his friends, the valet Wong, defends the world from mystical and non-mystical threats. Now, like I said, this 2016 adaptation is not the first Doctor Strange film to come out. No, it wasn't. I said two Doctor Stranges, this one being the first. You have to look back all the way to 1978 when... Peter Hooten first took on the role of Doctor Strange, but that was a long time ago. But we are now focusing on this movie where Oscar-nominated British actor Benedict Cumberbatch, who took on the role famously, who after Stark's death in Avengers Endgame is seen as sort of the leader of the next generation. He was also the first choice to play Stephen Strange, but he didn't. Ha- he did have to decline at first because he was doing theatre commitments playing, um, he was in Shakespeare's Hamlet at the time, which clashed with the film's proposed shooting date. They then went on to their second choice, which was Joaquin Phoenix, and he took his time to accept the role. And eventually he declined because he didn't want to be tied down to a multi-picture deal, which is exactly what Marvel have asked of you. I think the only person that they didn't actually tie down for a multi-picture deal was Chris Evans, because they really wanted him for the role. But as we know, Chris Evans just went on and played Captain America like six or seven times anyway. As fate would have it, though, the release date was pushed back with Doctor Strange, uh, which meant that Cumberbatch could happily accept the role and thus sign a multi-picture deal, allowing him to feature in other Marvel movies as well. I think as of today, he has made an appearance in five movies, including just one of his own. 
the movie on trial here, Doctor Strange, and then the others are Thor Ragnarok, Infinity War, Endgame, and the record-breaking and more recent uh, one, Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, once they secured their lead, the rest sort of fell into place with international talent in all parts of the world. Danish superstar Mass Mikkelsen, who you may know from The Hunt or The Sheep in Casino Royale, he sets an unusual and pretty cool record as the first time someone has been in and died in a Star Wars movie, a Bond movie, and now a Marvel movie. Spoiler alert. So, newly Oscar-nominated A-lister Chueto Ford came in to play Mordo, which wasn't a hard role since he is a fifth-degree black belt in karate, so all the fighting scenes were quite natural to him. Both of them, uh, Chueto and Benedict, both appeared in 12 Years a Slave, so they knew each other quite well. Plus, they are both Brits, so they have that natural bond, Brits. And speaking of Brits, Tilda Swinton beats the likes of Morgan Freeman, Bill Nye, and Ken Wontobi for the role as the Ancient One. I love Tilda Swinton. She's one of those beautiful actresses that can somehow play both genders in a convincing way. She's like one of a kind. Her kids are actually working on the production design set, so um, that was actually quite interesting. The visual effects on this movie was absolutely ridiculous. They took inspiration from The Matrix and even 2001 Space Odyssey to really try to take it to a new level, literally. It was so good that the film actually got an Oscar nomination for special effects. Mars Mikkelsen even admitted in an interview he had no idea what was going on when he had to film his chase scenes, um, especially during the mirror dimension scenes. It was chaos to watch, let alone design and starring so yeah and then we come to rachel mcadams who plays the love interest in this movie finally so she was originally the first choice for pepper potts back in 2008 in the iron man movie and john favreau wanted her really badly like it was her only choice for pepper potts that's how he envisioned pepper potts to be but she ended up declining and she regretted that decision ever since seeing how mcu has like blown up and become what it is right now so she happily accepted this role this now marks the fourth time where Rachel McAdams plays a love interest to a man who can travel through time. The others being opposite Eric Banner in Time Traveller's Wife, Owen Wilson in Midnight in Paris, and Donald Gleeson in About Time. In none of those four movies does she ever get to time travel herself. There's a fantastic article written by Anna Smith about this predicament. I recommend giving it a read. It's in The Guardian. It's called Why Can't Women Time Travel? It's such a good read. Anyway, so I did mention this matter of coincidence earlier, but before how we were interlinking, you know, MCU and people being in other films that they've been in that have also appeared in MCU, it's becoming just a matter of probability. But uh, now Rachel McAdams, yes, she did decline Iron Man, but still managed to work with Robbie Downey Jr. in Sherlock Holmes. Now, I did say I would come back to this. This makes Benedict Cumberpatch and Rachel McAdams the sixth and seventh Sherlock Holmes actors to appear in a Marvel comic-based feature. So... You have to go back to when Sir Christopher Lee played Holmes in 1991 and even further back when he appeared in Captain America 2 in 1970. Then you have Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Bratt, great actor, by the way, who played Sherlock Holmes in 1984. He was in The Incredible Hulk in 1978. After that, it's a little easier and a little bit more well-known. Robbie Downey Jr., of course, plays Iron Man and he was in Guy Ritchie's fame and he plays Sherlock Holmes. And of course, his Watson in the Guy Ritchie film was played by Jude Law, who's in the Captain Marvel film. And then you have Benedict Watson, who's Martin Freeman, who plays Everett Ross in Black Panther. And the other one is Sir Ian McKellen, who plays Holmes in Sherlock Holmes in 2015. And he was, of course, Magneto in the X-Men film. So like I said, just the probability thing, seeing how the MCU has expanded over 26 films with all this talent that's involved in them. So not really a coincidence that you've got all these interlinking stars. I mean, you could probably do this with another franchise if you pick one from a hat. I mean, what, take, I mean... Hannibal, just because I'm reading it at the moment, I've just finished it. You've got Mars Mikkelsen, who plays Hannibal in the TV series. Lawrence Fishburne is in the second Ant-Man, who plays Jack Crawford. Brian Cox plays William Stryker in X2, and he's in Red Dragon, along with Edward Norton, who plays uh, the Incredible Hulk. And, of course, he's um, 
um, he's Will Graham in the in Red Dragon, and then of course you've got Odin himself, or should I say Hannibal Lecter himself, who plays in both Marvel and Hannibal film or TV series, Sir Anthony Hopkins. So you can literally do this with most franchises. It's not a coincidence; it's probability, really. So anyway, there are obvious people that were big fans of the movie when it was announced, or fans of the comic books, I should say. So Scott Derrickson, the director, felt like you know he was a super nerd with this movie, and so he spent his own money to make a concept video and send it over to the producers and Marvel to see if he could direct the movie. Derrickson is known more as a horror director, making such films as Sinister and The Exorcism of Emily Rose, but I must say he did a great job with this movie. Benedict Cumberbatch has said he was a fan growing up as a kid and he felt all warm inside when he wore the full outfit, as more the superheroes do, I guess. And speaking of that, with the, um, you remember that scene with the cloak of levitation wipes away Strange's tears? That was improvised on set. I think Benedict actually suggested to the crew, can you actually make the cape sort of wipe away my tears? I think that'd be actually quite good. And they did it. And, uh, yeah, it actually worked well in the movie as a warm moment. So Benedict actually walked into a comic book store one day during filming in full costume and bought a few Doctor Strange comic books for research. I think it's on Twitter somewhere, the photo. Uh, but yeah, in an interview, he stated that the spiritualism of Doctor Strange is what attracted him most to the role. He said, I'm very excited about the spiritual dimension. It's something that's been a huge part of my life. I meditate a lot. It's a huge tool in trying to calm myself, get away from the crazy circus of all of it, have a focused mind as well as be a, a kinder, considerate person in the world. So that's what he had to say about that. So for the film, they hired a few experts for the movie. Benedict received help with finger-tutting movements with a, from a dancer to make the spell casting gestures look more fluid and agile. They also had astrophysicist Adam Frank on board to consult the film on the changes of space and time through a human experience. He also helped Marvel conceive the ideas for the multiverse as well as some of the dialogue as well. So if you're familiar with the comics, there's so much material in them. and It's interesting to see what story plot stays and what remains uh, hidden, and some may be hidden but referenced later on. And you know, the comics have got so much material to work from, so it's interesting to see what they put in and out of the films. So I was talking about like the things that remains in the comic book. So they actually filmed scenes with an actress called Lulu Wilson, who was casted as Donna, who is the younger sister of Doctor Strange in the comics. And she dies quite young. And it's sort of what motivates Strange to become a doctor. But it didn't make the final cut of the movie, but they did film it. Um, which is why I find it interesting to see what stays and what remains in comic books. There's so many like arcs in the story that is quite relevant to what we see on screen. So with the villain, I mean, Scott, uh, Scott Derrickson said that the villain in the MCU movies didn't have enough, uh, you know, didn't have enough of them for us to really sympathize with them. I mean, they're just usually maniacs or psychopaths. So he didn't really like that. So he wanted to change, uh, the one of Cassius. I mean, the greatest thing to do with a villain is to, is to sort of persuade about 10% of the audience that he or she is doing something right. Is You know, their logic is sound. And he didn't believe that any of the previous villains in the MCU were relatable. So he tried to make Callius relatable. He hoped to show his point of view to the audience, describing the character as a villain with water-like logic, kind of like John Doe in Seven. You may also know that the Ancient One is a man in the comic books, an old man, but Tilda Swinton, a young, beautiful actress, um, takes on the role, beating the likes of like Morgan Freeman, who would have been probably perfect for that role. Scott felt the Ancient One was more a title than a person and he wanted to avoid the obvious stereotypical things in the comic books that sort of portray these uh, ancient ones as Tibetan monks or you know old Asian people with beards so he sort of just twisted it on his head and the cast of Tilda Swinton I think it's a fantastic cast so yeah he avoided casting an Asian woman as well because he didn't want to exploit this Asian fetish or fanboy dream girl thing going on in Asia at the moment so he had the opportunity to cast an amazing actress in this male dominated role and thus Tilda Swinton was the obvious choice 
So Derrickson also said that he wanted to add the Dream, and uh, if, if you've read the comics, you may know what I'm talking about, the Dream Demon Nightmare in his world, the Dream Dimension, but I believe we'll be seeing that in the sequel. And it has been confirmed that the sequel to Doctor Strange will be the first horror movie of the MCU movies, which is expected since the film is in the hands of a director of horror. Like I said, he's directed Sinister and the Exorcism of Anime LaRose, amongst other horror films. So now, given this is a Marvel movie... We always expect a post-credit scene like we do with this one. The post-credit scene is actually part of the another movie to come, which is Thor Ragnarok, so it shows how in sync all the movies are with each other. But another thing that is almost mandatory to have now is a Stanley cameo, which is sad now because I saw No Way Home, uh, the latest Spider-Man movie, and he wasn't there. And it felt strange, obviously, because he passed away. But yes, with this one, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn said the cameo in Doctor Strange is one of four cameos that Stanley filmed in one day. So Gunn said that he personally filmed three of them, being this one, Guardians 2, and the other one he didn't reveal. So they did like multiple takes, different one-liners, and basically Scott Derrickson just chose the one he liked, and that was the one that was in the film. I think at the time they started shooting multiple cameo scenes with Stanley in case he was getting too old or would pass away, and it turned out to be the right thing to do because he did sadly pass away some years later. I think Captain Marvel was his last cameo. But anyway, now Doctor Strange came quite late in the lineup. It was the 14th Marvel uh, movie to come out in the mix with the biggest phases, but it is a pivotal for the future of the universe to continue. Listen to what Scott Derrickson said at the time of the movie. It's almost like they knew what they were going to go for. What we've wanted from the beginning was to bring in this other dimension and reality, which something to Doctor Strange, which filming Doctor Strange allows us to do. Much like how the early Doctor Strange comic book broke over, open the Marvel comic book universe into the Marvel multiverse. This film serves the same function. In the comics, it ended up being decades of new stories, and I think this movie will do the same. And hey, fast forward seven to eight years later, and it turns out he was right because Spider-Man no, Spider no, no Way Home came out and challenges this theory. And well, let's just say without spoiling it, even though most of social media has already, that Scott Derrickson was spot on, and it opens a stupid amount of exciting possibilities now that we'll just have to keep people engaged with the MCU. Some say that Doctor, Doctor Strange has taken over the mantle of Iron Man after his death in Endgame, like I said earlier. And, you know, rightfully so, he seems to be a leader, considerate, and he is the Sorcerer Supreme, and he is, like, you know, the, one of the Guardians. So I think, you know, it's uh, not the Guardian of the Galaxy, but, well, technically he is, so that title doesn't go lost on him. I wonder if anyone noticed, but, the cli you know, the climax in the movie is, um, you know, when Doctor Strange is facing off against Donnarumma over and over again to wear him down, which shows that Strange has harnessed the power to his arrogance and uses it successfully to defeat Dormammu. So, if you have noticed, it's a pretty cool uh, spot, but Dormammu is played by none other than, can you guess? That's right. Benedict Cumberbatch himself. In that climax, he plays both characters. So he recommended the idea to the director, and he liked that idea quite a lot. He was playing both the hero and the villain. There's something interesting about this confrontation of this tiny guy with the power of time and this monstrous conqueror. It definitely has some hidden themes and meaning there. So, yeah. And now I mentioned earlier that Marvel are into their referencing, and so am I, and some Marvel-related and some not. But most of this happens early in the movie while he has his functioning fingers, just before the crash, to be more specific. So, so before the car crash, crashes on the phone discussing potential patients and one of them has mentioned a u.s air force colonel who was injured during testing with some experimental armor now a lot of people thought or assumed it was Rhodes from civil war but the timeline doesn't work out there so it is most likely justin hammer uh, who Sam Rockwell plays in the second Iron Man with his dodgy experimental tech. There's also mention of a 22-year-old woman with schizophrenia with an electronic implant in her brain struck by lightning. This, if you are into your Marvel comics, is a reference to Madeline Joyce. If you don't know her, Google her. She is known as Miss America, 
who could be part of the Phase 4 at some point, or probably just referenced heavily more in another movie. And a not-so-Marvel reference, but kind of a cool one, is that on the night of Doctor Strange's car crash that leads him to becoming the Sorcerer Supreme and fighting Dormammu in the Endless Loop, he grabs a watch, and the date reads Tuesday, February 2nd, 2016, which... If you are familiar with that date, it is known as Groundhog Day, a famous day which more commonly known as the day Bill Murray is doomed to live the same day forever and ever until he corrects the wrong in his life. Something that is mirrored at the end of this movie. And that's what I say when you got to love a good reference, especially when you notice it. Sometimes it's in your face, sometimes it's very subtle. But yeah, that's the cool thing about movies. When you watch it a second time, you actually notice a lot more things. But yeah, I'm very happy and excited to see where they take the adventures of Doctor Strange next in a much-anticipated sequel that is considered to be a horror movie, so I'm very excited about that. He's only made four appearances in other Marvel movies, and um, and none of them are his own sequels, so it shows how relevant uh, Doctor Strange is to the development of the MCU, and it's going to be an amazing uh, Phase 4 development i think and doctor strange is going to have a pivotal part of it as he did in spider-man no way home i just think doctor strange is one to look out for and is sort of the the new leader of the mcu now anyways that's all i have time for with doctor strange please subscribe to me on google spotify itunes and amazon Play. And you can find me on instagram and twitter that's film exploration ah or lowercase or one word but once again thank you for listening to season 10 of film exploration with ash hurry 